Oscars are wrap. We're here still talking about Black Panther and all the fallout from yesterday's big events. I'm Jeffrey Lyles. This is Lyles Movie Files. Joining me today is the big man, the big gun, Gunner. What's up, man? What's going on, man? I'm good. Jace, little bro, how are you? What up, bro? Cooling. Javon, I assume you were living fat, G. But if you want to mix it up, tell me what you, how you're feeling today. I'm jamming on the one. J- j- jamming on the one. Thank you, Malcolm Jamal Warner, for that lovely clip. I love it. Okay, so yesterday was the Oscars. This is when the Academy Awards and the all the all the A-list, B-list talent comes together to celebrate and pat themselves on the back for a November and December well done, where they got everybody to talk about movies. Nobody, like maybe let's say 80% of the general movie populace did not see. And they uh, want to express themselves for their love of the art while ignoring the movies that made all of the money last year. And I think audiences are starting to get tired of it. They're starting to see through the Academy Awards and their whole let's let's find a new movement to support and back and act like we never knew it existed because the ratings are down for the Oscars. And if the preliminary results are any indication, it could be the all time lowest in Oscar ratings. So I know we I know we want to break down everything and and dissect the Oscars more in depth, but you guys hear the Oscar ratings are down. What's the first thought that comes to your mind, Gunner? I was hoping you were going with me first. I was like, we need to work on maybe getting like sound effects for the podcast because there should have been an applause right after you said that. Good, because this it's crap. I watched the tail end of it. I'm like, I'm still bored. Like this is ridiculous. I just wanted to see if there were any surprises. There were not any. It's quite boring. No one cares about some of these movies, most of these movies. I just, you know, I'm like your girl. I'm rooting for everybody black. Yeah. <laughs> so, Jace, why why are the ratings down for Oscars? Okay. Uh, there's 50,000 award shows that lead up to the Oscars. And they'll, unless there's 10 different winners... You know, basically, there's a front runner, and the Oscars are made up of the same snooty old white guys that voted for the other ones, except maybe the SAG Awards. And after that, it's pretty much just, here's the people you know are going to win. Everybody who did a biopic that is going to win. And we we have the people we love, so they're in the club every now and then, too. Now, I'll also give the, I should come back to a point you made, like, Everybody's kind of tired of, uh, like, Hollywood politics. But there is probably a, a – I mean, another aspect of that is just, like, the red-blue divides of states in politics is middle America doesn't care about these dang on movies. Like, they, they go to the movies that, that make a lot of money. They don't go to – they go to the movies that actually they want to see, and they're never up for any awards. So what's the point of going to see the what the Hollywood people that they don't really care about are actually doing so they don't have any reason to watch them. That let let's say there if none of us were watching the podcast besides you, Jeffrey, as a critic, we would not have watched any a minute of the Oscars. Is like okay, nothing in there I want to see, and 
that's it. I can watch Walking Dead live versus having to wait, you know, on delay or checking every commercial to see if somebody upset somebody that I know didn't happen. Yeah, this is a really weird Oscars in the sense that if you were doing a March Madness style bracket, you could have gone chalk and cleared up with your fictional Oscars bracket because every award that everyone has kind of picked all along won. And it was even last year, I kind of figured Moonlight winning was a real surprise. I thought La La Land was great. I love that movie. It was one of my favorites. I don't remember exactly my numer, my ranking, but it was in my top three. So and I'm pretty sure it was my number one, but because I don't want to be totally wrong on that. I, I thought it deserved it. So I was really surprised that Moonlight won, but we, there were no surprises like that. The only surprise that I saw was that Guillermo del Toro won Best Director I figured that was going to be the time where they were finally going to make good with Christopher Nolan. And and he got that and The Shape of Water won Best Picture. So that was the only minor surprise. But I felt like Shape of Water was the Oscar friendly safe pick that they could throw every award to. And, and it was deserving. I like the movie, so I don't really have a lot of complaints. I know a lot of people are complaining about the fish porn movie. Win Oscars, but it was fine. It was it was a, a well-deserving Oscar winner. Javon, why are the Oscar ratings down, man? Uh, Jeff, guys, you all touched on great points. Uh, Jeff's, uh, Jason, your point, I'm sorry, uh, to the fact that the average, and it's not just middle America, I think the average moviegoer is not seeing the Oscar push pictures that come out between, I don't know, what, October to January, February, January or so? Uh, when, is the, when is the voting period, uh, Jeff? Because I know it, between uh, October and January is when those movies tend to come out. So my critic group, we do at the Washington Area Film Critics Association, we have our votes, like we start the, I mean, like the last week of November, and I'm sorry, we start receiving screeners or we start getting a heavy push to go to the screeners that they're pushing out for December, mostly January and late November. And then we watch them in December and we vote pretty much the first or second week of December. So in a lot of those cases, most of those films haven't even made it to theaters like there. Right. You guys probably would not have seen some of these nominees until they came out this year, like January, February. Right. So it's a real, real weird process. Right. So with that said, there are a lot of movies that the, the, the public hasn't seen or really aren't keen on seeing because they're not turn your brain off for 90 minutes and enjoy a, a fantasy world or enjoy this movie. Right. Those pictures aren't nominated typically for Oscars. So it's not like your favorite movie if you're not uh, the, the type of person that watches these Oscar uh, grab movies. If, those, if that's not your bag, the pictures that you watch aren't up for an award anyway, so you don't care. There's that factor. There's also the fact that I think that, like the, like the Grammys and the AMAs, um, award shows just aren't a big draw anymore. Because that used to be a time, I remember watching award shows when I was a kid. That was the time to see artists perform, especially like the Grammys, because 
I knew that there was no way in hell my father was going to pay to go see Michael Jackson. So we had to catch Michael Jackson when he was performing at the Grammys, right? Mm-hmm. Those, yeah, so those, the, that time when you could see your favorite artists perform, be it the Grammys or, or be it the Oscars, you see somebody perform a big score or a film from an Oscar-nominated movie, or just to see the, the stars, to see the celebrities, that was a big deal because you didn't get to see them outside of just the movies. Now everybody has an Instagram. Now everybody has, uh, 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 what do you call it? Uh, Twitter, you, your Snapchat, your stars are connected to you. You see them every day. So there's not, you don't really care as much as you did maybe 20 years ago. Who's on the red carpet, who's attending at all <clears throat> because sorry, I'm losing my voice a little bit because you, you have, you're so connected to your favorite stars that that may be a factor as well. Um, also, I think um, people just don't care the way they used to because you have so many options on television. You don't have to watch. That's the thing about network TV these days. Network TV is losing, man, because you don't have to watch network TV. You think about last night alone, what was on your television. You had The Walking Dead. If you don't like The Walking Dead, you had uh, The Shy. If you don't like The Shy, you had whatever was on HBO. You had whatever was on your Netflix feed. You had whatever was on your Hulu. You had whatever was on your Roku. You have options. We have so many options nowadays that you don't have to be signing to watch just one program. Back in the day, if the Oscars were on, it was reruns on the rest of the networks and the Oscars were going on, and you watched it because that was the live program. It was such a big deal. Because we didn't have 2,000 channels of or the amount of options that we have today ahead of us. So I think all of those factors have contributed to why Oscar viewership has been down over recent years. And another issue, like Jason mentioned earlier, and you mentioned also, Jeff, the politics of it. People don't want to be bombarded by Hollywood politics. They definitely don't want to see the guy who does late night TV uh, 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 grill the, well, not grill, but drill his 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 opinion or the opinion of Hollywood elites as they feel into their head and make a a, 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 a three-hour program about the awards of the movie industry into a political statement from the elites of Hollywood. So I think all of those factors weigh in why viewership is down for the Oscars. Perfect. That was also, an ideal also, segue for me. But go ahead, Jason. Okay, I was going to say, we also forget that, I mean kind of piggybacking on Javon again. A lot. Another thing is, if there's any highlights of uh, any award show, you can catch them on uh, the Today Show. You can check them on Twitter. So you don't have to see any of that stuff live anymore. So you really have, I mean, it really, you have to be a fan of the award shows to really want to sit through three hours of some of the awards you just don't care about when you could just catch the highlights the next day and get everything you need before you go to work. I think, Agreed. yeah, for me, I think the biggest problem stems from the Oscars 2009 when the Dark Knight blew away the box office. It had everybody buzzing. Everyone saw that movie. Everybody talked about that movie. And a lot of people saw it more than once. And it transcended the superhero comic book movie genre so it was like okay yeah this is about batman and it stars a joker and two-face but it's a really really good movie it's thoughtful it has great acting and it's directed by one of hollywood's up-and-coming directors and when that got snubbed and you know i know heath ledger got the best supporting actor but when it got snubbed and ignored 
I think a lot of people tuned out the Oscars and were like, you know what, your, credi- your credibility is officially shot. And then mm-hmm. 2013, when the Avengers blew up the box office and became this must-see event that everyone saw. And then for the Oscars that next year, the only thing they had with the Avengers was the Avengers cast show up to present an award. And you see that even now, where the last Jedi cast came out to present an awkward award. You had Tiffany Haddish show up and she was presenting. You had Gal Gadot presenting. You had these stars who were the faces of the top grossing movies from last year. The movies people wanted to see. And they're just presenting awards. They're not up for it. I mean, I, I mean... I mean, Tiffany Haddish could have realistically been a Best Supporting Actress nominee, the same as Melissa McCarthy when she was up for Bridesmaids. Same kind of role, and so it's not like, well, that's not our kind of Oscar movie. It was the same kind of thing. Maya Rudolph crapped in the street in Bridesmaids, but somehow still that was good enough to be an Oscar-nominated, nomination-worthy film. And then you've got uh, Gal Gadot, who, who, I mean, she, she did everything in Wonder Woman that would warrant a Best Actress nomination. And I know that's not their typical thing, but if you're going to hand out a Best Adapted Screenplay to that mess that was Logan, you open up the floodgates to me for comic book movies to be considered for everything. And you can't be so snobby and pretentious that, oh no, these aren't our kind of movies. We're going to focus on historical figures from Britain and wars back in the day. And it's just... I think people are just tired of it and they can watch anything that's useful on YouTube. And most of the time there's nothing useful or buzzworthy worth checking out. So that's why people aren't watching them. And Javon, you mentioned, I was going to say, I'm going to jump in and throw out a topic for everybody. After the success of black Panther, do you think they can get away without putting black Panther? Oh, I was going to get the black panther. I was going to get the black. They're going to try. Okay, they're going to try. They're going to try. No, I, I, I'm going to tell you why. I don't. I don't. I don't see how they they will do that for this because I mean, geez, you watch the show for any 30 minute block, you saw some reference, some highlights, some performer associated with Black Panther. They know Black Panther is a juggernaut. It is a once in a generation kind of event film. And I think the also thing that's kind of screwy with the Oscars is you've got people who tune in and they're like, well, wait, why isn't Black Panther up for best picture? The whole process doesn't make any sense. They need to cap the awards like December. And they need to have the Oscars the first weekend or the second weekend of January. So it's very clear this is the, the start of the movie season is January and it ends in January and it ends in December. That whole foolishness where it's like, well, this movie came out in February. Why is it not up for an awards in March? It's kind of like, well, that does kind of make sense that if you're doing these awards, what's your calendar limitations? And people don't care anyway. So it's not like, well, why am I trying to figure out when a movie came out so it's eligible for Oscar nominations if I'm not caring about the movie in the first place? So there's a lot of reasons why it doesn't work for me. But let's move on to... This point that Javon raised that I want to that I think is a huge issue for Hollywood. So this year was all about Hollywood getting woke and remembering that, oh, yeah, all these scuzzy dudes that we've had here, 
They were sexually harassing women. So let's try out these women who were sexually harassed, who were blackballed, who a lot of people in that room did not bring in for auditions, for even consider for roles because Harvey said not to. And so I hate the hypocrisy where they just come back and go, look at us. We recognize that sexual harassment is a problem. And they spend three hours finding different ways to say that's an issue where any logical person is like, of course, that's a problem. You morons. If you do this at my Target store, I'm going to get fired. If somebody does that at my bank, they're going to get fired. You guys parade around in these million dollar films and act like, whoa, this is something that you can't do. And then just because they decide it's a problem, they want to pat themselves on the back about it. So what do you guys think about the Hollywood movements of the year and why Time's Up and all that have not really resonated the way they should because of the way Hollywood plays this game? Gunner? You know, women got their stuff, too. Uh, Well, white women got their stuff, too. Um, I hope they include black women in this. I just haven't seen any on the front page of any uh, magazines. That's a hint, and that's a dig, by the way. Um, But, you know. (laughs) <laughs> Let them have their time too. You know, white women got stuff too. I'm gonna include black women eventually one day, perhaps. That'd be great. Chase. Okay. <laughs> the the Times Up movement. It, it, I think the Times Up movement is it resonating? Is because there's a lot. I mean, you're really trying to go with the power establishment of this country. So you patting yourself on the back. It's like, I'm, I mean, yeah, you got Harvey Weinstein. You got Kevin Spacey, and you got a lot of other guys. But how many other guys are right there doing it? I mean, the reason that we call some a casting couch is because we, like, us in the middle over here in the East Coast, no, that's the thing. Like, if you're going to tell me, oh, that's never going to be a thing anymore, it's like, no, that, that's not. I mean, it's like, there's still the sleazy L.A. producers still doing the same BS that they're trying to say, oh, it will never happen again. And... Then you got like politics. It's like nobody, even like TV doesn't want to really embrace it because it's like, hey, we've already lost Charlie Rose. We've lost some other, I mean, uh, uh, Mark Halperin, like other media figures. It's like, wait a minute. We're, that, Brian, Will, not Brian Williams. Uh, Matt Lauer. What's his name? Matt, Matt Lauer. Like we've lost some big media people. So they're like, wait a minute. This is cutting a little too deep. So we're not going to be talking about this too much because eventually we're going to have no stars to talk about that you need you they were really drawing you to come and see us. So we'll we'll give you some lip service, but once the war season's over, we're gonna be done with this whole me too I mean, time's up, you know, mo movement. So it that's that's dead and I'm sorry, yeah. So good deal. Voice, right. I'm losing my voice a little. No worries. Javon, what do you think, man? Um, I think it, sometimes we get caught up in cause du jour, especially when our favorite People, celebrities are, are, are lending their voice and their platform to raise attention toward whatever cause du jour is. Um, I definitely feel like now's a it, it's it's an auspicious time to be finding everyone to be finding their wokeness. I hate to use that term, but for everybody to find their wokeness now and, you know, in, in these times, had you done this 
I don't know, eight, nine, ten years ago, 15, 20 years ago, we wouldn't be where we are. And that's across the board. That's not just about the casting couch, because as I mentioned before, um, this is a part of Hollywood as we know it. This is nothing that the big, bad Harvey Weinstein monster created during his time in Hollywood. This goes back for decades, decades. Long before Harvey Weinstein was on the scene, there was somebody else on the scene making women do what they didn't want to do and were uncomfortable doing, and men and children making them do what they didn't want to do on a couch to get roles in Hollywood, to get roles for movies, radio, television, whatever. Mm-hmm. So now to see that there's all this outrage and, 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 and all these celebrities are lending their voice, let's not lose sight of the fact that this, this is something that's systematic within Hollywood. <laughs> and it's not just affecting white women trying to get roles or black women trying to get roles. Think of all the Latinas, the Indian women, the Native American women, the, the Mexican women, all the women who have been denied roles all the because they wouldn't do sexual favors or, or, or were, weren't given roles that, and did sexual favors, whatever the case may be. Think about all the children that were exploited. Think about the men that were exploited. This is systematic. And because a couple of women wear black dresses at, at, at major events, this ain't going to change nothing. It's not. We need to really... Like all things, we need to sit down and, and, and get to the root of the problem as opposed to thinking that a slogan or a hashtag or a, a fashion choice is going to change the situation or demonizing one person is going to change the situation. This is systematic, and there are a lot of people who have their hands in that pot and have had their hands in the pot over the years, and we need to make a change if we're really going to enact a change. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Dude, you were like teeing me up. So you're, what you're saying is dead on. And I just feel like this was complete and utter BS from Hollywood. So yesterday, this guy broke down exactly how this played out. So yesterday's Oscars, there were 47 women who were nominated for non-gender specific categories. So that basically means non the non-best actress, best supporting actress. So of those 47 women, only four of them won Oscars. So that's an 8.51% chance a woman would win an award when she's going against men who have a 21% chance of winning those awards. So for all the talk, and, and mind you, you know, the Harvey Weinstein thing happened in the summer. So this was months and months and months of times up. We're going to make a level playing field. It's the same story. And then I read something else that said last year's Oscars featured the fewest female winners since 2012. So all the talk. I mean, you would think that and I always I always thought that when when there were some early complaints, like the first year of Oscars so black, that some of those people who are deciding and making those nominations would just toss in a black actor, throw in Denzel, shut everybody up. And then it's like, look, Oscars aren't so black, aren't so Oscars aren't so white anymore. And for this one, all right, you throw in a female winner where normally you'd be like, eh, this guy is overdue. We we owe him. We need to throw him that bone. Don't do it this year. Just say, all right, look, Rachel Morrison, you're the first female cinematography and os- nominee in Oscar history. We're gonna represent the we're going to put our money where our mouths are and our dresses and our big hashtags and we're going to say look here 
This is your award and you deserve it. But it's not just that you deserve it. It's because we can't just stick to business as usual and think a nominee, a nomination gets the job done because a dude will always win. Right. And dude has won all those cinematography awards. There's no maybe it's every year in the 90 year history of the Oscars. A guy has won that award. This is your one opportunity to be like, hey, let's let's really do something different. And Rachel Morrison is great. If you guys don't know what she's done before, she's done all of Ryan Coogler's stuff. That includes Black Panther. And she was up this year for Mudbound. So I'm assuming and hoping that maybe next year this this gets righted and she gets this award for Black Panther. But I just kind of feel like if you're going to talk all this talk, don't don't put on the big front for all of us watching because we see the end result. We see the dudes still going up and getting these awards when you tout and try to trumpet trumpet how great and how hey how where you guys are of women and how representation matters. So that that's my take on that. You guys have anything on that before I go on? Okay, I got one one thing. Like this the fact is like until when they, when we have these like gender non specific categories when there comes a point where it's like the minority actually has the majority of those slots, at least then you could say, all right, hey, we're trying to change things. Like, if every award is 90% white male, then nothing, I mean, just don't don't even just say, hey, we're not talking any causes because we're, we're back to business as usual. So no more hashtags. It's all, our, all, all the same white guys as usual. So we'll just shut up. Gunner, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, this might be a, it's related to Me Too and Time's Up and all that mess, but I mean, you still got the same old cat at the, you know, the old, uh, the older uh, Academy voters doing their old Academy voter things. I'm just going to make it a wild assumption. Bear with me now that they're all old white men. Just a guess. <laughs> a wild guess. Remember that, that there was a story that came out that, uh, uh, towards, you know, I think it was like last Saturday, right? Or even this Saturday. Mm. That the old Academy voters didn't even watch Get Out. Yeah, exactly. I'm pretty sure they didn't watch Three Billboards either. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just like, ah. they're like, oh well. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I, I'm sorry. I just, I have no faith in these cats until they die out. But you know, <laughs> that's morbid. But you know, still true. It's true, exactly. And and, and you know, <laughs> and, and to your point from earlier, um. Gosh, Emma Stone went up and she made this big thing of these four directors and Greta Gerwig. And it's like, I get what you're trying to do, but you're also marginalizing Jordan Peele and Guillermo del Toro. And it's the whole point of this is inclusion. Represent everybody. And once again, it's like this whole thing where it's like, well, hey, why single out? the woman in the category i mean the whole thing they were all they were all in favor of is equality in this deal so that means not drawing special attention to the female nominee and also not sliding the two minority um nominees as well javon what do you think about this uh jeff i'm gonna use some language to quote tommy was so it's bullshit <laughs> it really is because i i'm not for symbolic gesture i'm not for patri- i'm not for patronizing a cause i'm not for patronizing real action right 
So let's not pretend like we're changing anything or we're about being the catalyst of change when all we're doing is trotting out a nice pony and saying, look how pretty this pony is. Mm-hmm. And instead of letting this pony run the, run the, run the lap, we put him right back in the stable. Right. All you're doing is saying, you know, yeah, uh, what we're going to do to appease people and, you know, not cause any more controversy and seem that we're not as institutional as we are. We're going to give this person or these people a voice. We're going to trot out some, some minorities here. We fill the quota. It, it, it takes more than, and Gunnar, you said it, it's establishmentism. It's, it's something that, you know, in 2018, I thought we were beyond, but hell, look who's the president. Right. Look who's the president. Look who's the cabinet. You know, nothing has really changed. And I think right now we're in the midst of the Obama palate cleanser. We're in the midst of the Obama palate cleanser across the board, politically, even in our entertainment. Um, you know, I, I'm really hoping that, and this is the thing with my kids, I, I look at the youth, right? I'm so excited for their future. Like, it really is welling me up with pride because these kids are getting, they're active. They're doing things that we weren't mm-hmm. doing that I don't know whether we were too chicken to do or we didn't think could be done. They're being vocal. They're being active. They're not just being vocal. They're, they're taking action. And I think across the board, from, from their media, from the media, they, and this is the thing, they're the ones that are going to drive the future economic scale. They're going to drive the future of entertainment. They're going to drive the future political scale. They're going to voice their opinions. They're not just going to take what's been being given to them because that's the way it's always been. These kids ask questions. These kids want to know why. They want to know how so they can run the system. Not so they can just know how it's ran. They want to know how it's done so that they can be the ones to enact change. And I'm, 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 I'm hoping that this next generation, for like Mike can say, they're going to be the ones that see the change that we, we're talking about. They're going to see the change across the board. I wholeheartedly agree, man, honestly, because, uh, you know, I feel like it comes in waves. Like, you know, you had yeah. in the 60s, 70s, boom, 80s, was kind of like, okay, we're giving you some bread and, you know, ready to yeah. And then, you know, and then the 90s came up, 90s, early 2000s, and the tens and these here were kind of like, mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? We kind of, like, yeah, honestly, honestly, I think we let our Obama victory here kind of weaken us a little bit. Like, like, you know, <laughs> kind of speaking of uh, dark night, a little bit, dark night rises. Bane was like, <laughs> victory has defeated you. I, that actually kind of happened in real life. Right. It was so true. Now, no, you're right. <laughs> Gonna, let me just say this. We were breaking our arms, patting ourselves on the back for a job well done not realizing how much of a lift we had ahead of us because of the establishment trying to shut this window closed. That was a window that we should have, it was our, well, uh, let's say this, not a window, but a door that we should have bust through. But what we did, we were just happy to feel the breeze from the open door. Exactly. All right. So let's, let's continue on because this is an interesting transition as well. Um, so in 90 years of the Oscars, there's never been a black man or woman who's won the best original screenplay. 
And that's just crazy considering how many black writers there are out there and who are really talented and who never had their name called to go up on that stage. And so Jordan Peele got that big win yesterday, that historic win for Get Out. I wanted Get Out to get several more awards. I understand one is major, but it was a really big deal. And you heard Jordan Peele when he came up there saying that he done that he was writing that script 20 times kept going back to it and was just hoping that his voice would get heard that someone would be risk-taking and daring enough to get his message out and what you're saying about the complacency i think that with black filmmakers you're starting to see that door get beaten down with the Ryan Coogler's, with the Ava DuVernay's, and and Barry Jenkins, so many others. And we're starting to see more of those voices being shared. D. Rees Mudbound went out on on Netflix. And I think that was key. I think a lot of Oscar voters really snubbed, not so much that it was a black lesbian woman that did it, but the fact that it was a Netflix movie that's disrupting their system. But I think 20 years from now, you're going to see a lot of Netflix movies go up there and get those Oscars because that's what the next generation of moviegoers is going to see. That's what they're going to that's how they're going to watch their movies on Netflix and Amazon and not necessarily going to the movie theaters and paying thirty two eighty five at a movie theater. So, yeah. So I think we're going to see this this happen. And, and Jordan is just the, the first one of many hopefully, to come in the next few years. And I'm excited about that. And I'm excited that, you know, in the audience, at least from the audience reactions, they were genuinely excited to get out one. You heard the hooting and hollering. And it wasn't us who was doing that when Get Out was mentioned and, and was named for different categories. It was like the audience that was not just us. So that was really refreshing. And I hope that this is just like that, you know, they're taking acts down to that door, and we're gonna see. I mean, I, I'm I'm gonna lose every ounce of remaining faith in Hollywood if Black Panther is not going up there repeatedly next year. And Get Out had that that negative stigma coming out in February, but it still broke through to get one award. I can't imagine next year Black Panther has that issue where it only gets one. So that's going to be the real barometer for how Oscars so white and Time's Up have really succeeded if Black Panther is going up and down next year for the Oscars. I was going to say, to to piggyback on that, if Black Panther isn't up there as many times as Return of the King, you're just going to lose a whole generation of, of, of Oscar viewers. They're just like, nah, it's pointless to watch this anymore. You're never going to care about any movie I want to see. So I'm not going to watch your, your, your patting yourself on the back awards. I'm gone. But you know what I think? The entire black audience. But you know, I think what could happen is that we're going to see more, more awards like the black real awards. We're going to see stuff where we go out and say, we don't need your recognition. We're just going to celebrate ourselves. And, we're going to stream it online and we're going to have whatever social media thing at that point matters. We're going to just show it through there and it's, it's going to be our awards and it's not going to be some, some deal where it's just black, but like everybody who's marginalized and not getting that big spotlight moment at these fancy quote unquote award shows. I mean, we don't need the black. We don't, we don't, I'm, I'm sorry. I, we don't need BET awards though. Like the, Source of War is light? No, we're good. But we need that's something true. that's like, you know what I mean? We need something else. 
don't that's need very to awards, bro. I'm so sorry. Because that one, it's just been coming ratchet, man. I can't deal with that. That's because the music has become ratchet. That's just a reflection of yeah. what, what people are listening to. But I think for movies, we're seeing this new generation of filmmakers. They're not going to trash an award show. They're just going to be like, look, here's our award show. I mean, jeez. Yeah, we're done. The D. Reeves commercial for the Walmart thing. I actually want to watch that movie. Yeah. I was like, she's yeah. she can do sci-fi too. I'll, I'll, I'd pay to see that movie. So I think all these, these borders are, are crashing down, and it's just a matter of who's ready for it. Javon, go ahead, man. But Jens, you know, I'm sorry, Jim. What I think, like you just said, like we just said, if Black Panther doesn't get nominated X Y Z, that may be a good thing because. Dave Chappelle said in his last comedy special, did, did anybody see that on Netflix when he closed with the joke yes. about the uh, woman, the white woman that lied about uh, Emmett Till? Yeah. Yes. How a lie can spark change, that can spark revolution, mm-hmm. etc. That could be the that could be it. So no matter what happens next February, March, whenever the Oscars comes on in 2019, if Black Panther is not up for anything other than best costume, best original score, or best uh, 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 what do you call it? Yeah, cinematography. If 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 it's sound only up for those, com- hmm. But sound mixing. Right. If it's up for those kind of awards, and and only those kind of awards then that won't be a victory in itself. And I don't want to be, you know, because sometimes people will say, well, you know, black privilege, you're complaining, you're up for an award. What else do you want? I want to be acknowledged in the same way that you are. That's what I want, stupid. But the thing is, if if Black Panther is not up for anything other than the trophy award, not not trophy award, but like the the token award rather, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Just to say we nominated Black Panther. There you go. Now shut up. Um, that could be what starts it. That could be it. So it's going to be very interesting next year. Lord willing, we're all around to see it. Right. I guess the it change. What does it start? Okay. What does it change? The change. Everybody's more inclusion? Yeah, there's more inclusion of not just black cinema or minority cinema, minorities in, in movie making, but across genre recognition for films made. I don't care. You know, you, you want to see that the, the, not just a big action movie, because a big action movie can suck too, but a good action movie, a good comic book movie, a good comedy, a great comedy, a great action movie, a great uh, 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 um, <clears throat> sports documentary, whatever the case may be, as long as it's not the standard tried and true uh, uh, nominated drama, crier, whatever, can be nominated for the top awards in categories for filmmaking in, at the Oscars. That may be the that may be it. Who knows? That's all I'm saying. If it, if it if Black Panther doesn't get nominated, then maybe that starts it. You know what I mean? It starts the conversation and it drives people to say, you know what? Screw the Oscars. This is bogus anyway. It's it's just you know Hollywood's uh, uh, established elite patting themselves on the back for a job well done. All right. I'm done. We'll establish our own. Well, that's it. Go ahead. Okay. All right. So, in addition to the Oscars, Walking Dead was on because Walking Dead isn't afraid of oh, the Oscars. God. But, so this episode, we had 
uh, Rick and Michonne, I've, I liked how they broke this episode down. It was a chapter kind of deal, like Game of Thrones, where they focus on one character and they may be with some other characters who were involved that episode, but we're kind of watching it from their perspective, which I really liked because it wasn't as confusing as the, this happened 30 minutes ago, this happened two days ago that we've seen earlier on this season. This is kind of laid out in a way that made sense and it was, oh, okay, I clearly understand how this went down. So we saw more of the fallout from Carl's death and how it even impacted Negan, which I really liked and how he called Rick out rightfully for letting Carl get killed. So we had all this stuff going on and and we finally got rid of stupid junkers in the best way possible. I hated them and their stupid way of talking and they got wiped out because they were moron idiots who decided okay, we'll talk funny, and we'll keep betraying everybody, and no one's going to care. And I love when Simon <laughs> transformed for like five minutes into my man, <laughs> Trevor. And when, oh my gosh, it was it was like the best 20 minutes of that show. Most satisfying mass murder in the history of that show that I've ever enjoyed. So it was great. I liked it so so much. I know from your scoffing disgust, Javon, you didn't like it. But Gunner, did you watch it? What did you think? I don't watch the show until y'all tell me. Man. All I right. got too many slow parts. However, that sounds like something I should watch. You really should. It was great. The Junkers got exactly what they had coming. Jace, what did you think, bro? <laughs> uh, I, I, excuse me. I, I, I like to break down. Like, okay. Because you can see, like, okay, Rick started where Rick was. I think last week you were like, okay, wait, I'm sorry. Did Rick start in the in the garbage place last week, or is that the beginning of this week? This episode. Okay, so we know. All right. Oh wow, he's he's in the garbage people after after he said they were going there. All right, then we see the garbage people. You could so you could do a logical progression versus okay, like I said, like this is where we are right here. But them getting compacted into a garbage heap was. Like okay, we don't have to worry about them. Nick, I mean Rick, I'm glad you actually didn't bother shooting her, but also just like you know what, I'm not gonna save you. You're still you're still the same trash that started this in the first place. So go nuts. Like if they eat you and I gotta kill you 20 days from now, it's no big deal. Like I, I thought that was smart. Uh, so we don't have to deal with their storyline anymore. Uh, the uh, forest people or whatever they, the ocean people. I'm sure that's going to come. We're going to have to get much more of that later on. So that's going to be some boring segments down the way. But I, I, I also liked how Negan was like, kind of like, hey, man, you almost going back to something Javon said like weeks ago, where we're going back to, we're actually starting to humanize Negan. This is actually what's happened. It's like now he's not some crazy lunatic. He's like, hey, I actually have a reason why I'm doing this. It's like, I actually am saving these people. Like you are, you might survive it on exactly what you want, but you actually are surviving because we have your back. Like we'll take care of the arm, the zombie uh, horde by some uh, great method, but you're going to work for us. You're going to do stuff. You're going to work for our civilization to be part of our civilization. And, and that in theory is working out for him. But then you see Rick, Team, hey, we're going to stop you guys. Uh, we're going to kill you. 
And then all of a sudden, guess what happened? The kid died. You lost your home. Alexander is gone. Uh, the kingdom's a wasteland. And you still didn't kill Negan. So you still got the same problem. And your great war amounted to nothing. So Negan was right to call him out like, hey, and your kid's dead. Rick, well, this is your dang fault. You could have worked for me. What I really like about this, if you pull back from what's gone on, like maybe the last two seasons, you can see that everyone's delusions is starting to come back on them. So with with uh, with with uh, Ezekiel, he had this delusion that the kingdom was this regal land and everyone could live in harmony and they just toss out a few baskets and everyone can fall for his Shakespearean shtick and everything's lovely and great. And for a long time, that worked out well until it didn't. In the hilltop, they were, we just stay on high and we get everybody to do other stuff for us. We'll be okay. We'll just kind of blow like the breeze and pick our allies and go with that. And Oceanside, it's, it, we're delusional enough to think that eventually the saviors aren't going to come to us and kill us or make us their wives. We're going to be okay. And with Jadis and her junk crew, we're delusion. We're so delusional that we're going to come up with this new Yoda-like language, and we're just going to sit around in the junk heap and think everything is going to work out. And Rick, he had the greatest delusion of them all because he thought that he could apply his police sheriff mentality of being a hero and saving the innocent and take that to this new Walker world. And I always think it's really ironic how with the show that Rick was the last one to wake up. So he's not, he's still trying to play catch up to what's going on in this world. And Negan's figured it out. He's like, y'all, y'all will get yourselves killed every time. You're going to have some wild card like Simon, like Daryl, who's going to go off and get a lot of people killed just because their emotions decide, hey, I'm going to do something crazy right now. So you need a guy like me who may be the bad guy, who may play the face of the bad guy, who may put on an act like Ezekiel or Jadis, but knows enough to get everybody to fall in line. And I'm going to keep everything the way it needs to be because you didn't see a lot of saviors going down on Negan's watch since this war, I mean, until this war started. But Rick has lost so many people from the prison to his war with the governor to now this war with the saviors. He's lost so many friends, allies, buddies, because he still hadn't figured out how to deal with this world. Javon, I know you've uh, been biting, haha, to get in on this. What what do you, uh, what, what's your thoughts on it? Yes. Um, I agree. And to, to a certain degree, Jeff, I agree with you. But I, I got to say this with Rick. And Negan, I, I regard Negan as the Republican Party, and and and, and Rick as the Democratic Party, right? Okay. Um, <laughs> look, Rick had certain delusions, but at the same time, I don't think Rick is delusional, as you mentioned, because although Rick is, I think Rick is a righteous man who's trying to walk a crooked path. This world is very unforgiving, and that's the, the beauty of this show is this. To anybody who doesn't watch The Walking Dead and think it's just zombies and, 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 and who dies next, listen to this podcast. I want you to think about this. The zombies are as advertised. 
They're as advertised. They only live to feed. That's all they're going to do. They're a very minuscule part of the show. The real meat of the show is how we, people, interact with one another. If all of the, everything that what we believe, our, everything that, our, that our, our worlds as current, all the rules, all the things that stand, imagine they've all fallen down. And it's up to us to maintain some semblance of society. That's what this show is about. And how people respond to that, to me, is the key. Um, I don't think Rick has made terrible decisions. I think Rick is a man like any of us that cares about his people. And sometimes when you care about your people, you may not think logically in, in, in how to go about what's what may be the best strategy because you're thinking i don't want to lose and that's the thing about this world dealing and coping with loss is a part of this world the only people that seem to be able to survive are the people who have no attachments to anyone i.e eugene they have no attachments to anyone they'll get in where they fit in they don't love nor care about anyone but their own themselves and their own survival that's the only things they care about when you love people you go to great extremes to protect them. And I think Rick and others throughout the show's run have done that, and they've lost. But that's humanity. If, you, if you're a human and you have a heart, you care about people. You care about them. And that can serve as your weakness. Negan has had to turn that off because you know what, guys? We still haven't covered Negan's wife, Lucille, which I'm pretty sure we'll get the backstory on as we get closer to the end of the war. But I think at some point, Negan did turn that off. Negan turned that off. That's why he's been as successful as he has been. Um, another thing I think, you know, and, and congrats to Poof for pointing this out, I think Simon was the original leader of the Saviors. She, she definitely thought that. And I, I agree with her because there's no way man number two is making an executive decision like that. And um, he, he made an executive decision to... Uh, lay waste to the, 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 the heapsters. You only do that when you felt in power to begin with. And I think he was definitely the number one guy at one point in time. He just got usurped by Negan for the heapsters. I think, um, Jadis is another, she cared about her people, but she also was very delusional. Like you said, Jeff, she, she tried to talk out of both sides of her mouth and be on both sides of the fence. That ain't going to work. That ain't going to work. But I don't think we're done with Jadis because Simon mentioned something very important. What's with the solar panels and the helipad? That may give way to what we saw earlier in what season or, or, or earlier this season when that helicopter was circling around somewhere, right? We did see a helicopter very recently, guys. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yep. Yeah, so that may come back, and Jadis may have some – I'm pretty sure we're not done with Jadis. She may have something, an inside track that can help Rick and the gang. Um, the, the ladies in the, in, in, in the, in the, at the beach, they wanted to fight in the beginning. They want to fight. They want retribution. They want to see Negan and the, and the Savior's Parish just as much as Rick and the gang. They're going to come back into the fold. I think, uh, what's my man's name? I, don't, I know the actor. I just don't know his character. Ross Marquand sitting around or stand mm -hmm. back while Enoch goes off. That's going to pay dividends because I'm going to tell you something about that cat. He can convince you. Those sad eyes, and, and he has a way of convincing people. 
and he'll do it here because those women want to fight. They want to get back in the game. They may pretend like they want to sit in the beach and pretend like it's fine, but they're mad still. There's that factor. Um, Ezekiel is coming. I'm hoping he steps off of his BS because albeit the kingdom in a perfect world, in a perfect setting, would work with you being this grandiose king, a uh, king-like figure, right? But ultimately what they needed from you was to be real, to be real. That's what anybody needs in these situations. Let, let us know what, let us know how deep this damn pond is. Let us know how much of this dog shit we got to step into. Because if you keep the blinders on us, like you saw in the episode where his whole crew got mowed down, um, they're going at it altruistically, naivety. They walked into something that they thought they could walk out of triumphantly, and they got murdered. They got murdered. It wasn't even cute. He needed to be real with his people and let them know, look, this is dangerous, and a lot of y'all ain't cut for this. And he should have let Rick and them know, look, I don't know if we built for this, for real. I don't know if we built for it. Some of us are, a lot of us aren't. Some of us are, a lot of us aren't. And everybody, I, I say this, and this is the last thing I'm going to say. Rick's made some bad decisions, dude. And this goes back to, I'm going to start with his worst, in my opinion. One of his worst decisions was taking the crew down to the quarry to, um, and was that season, the start of season six? taking the new Alexandria crew down to the quarry to clear out the walkers that may or may not have gotten loose to cause havoc in the area, right? Mm -hmm. That was one of his worst decisions because you took people who had never been outside of the walls out in the ground zero. That's like taking you or me or any one of us on this phone, giving, a, giving us an M4 and sticking us right into a hot zone in, in Fajula or Afghanistan or something like that. Bad decision, dog. Bad decision. Second bad decision, listening to uh, what's uh, what's our guy at the king uh, the hilltop? Jeff, uh, what's his name? Gregory. Jesus? Jeff, what's Gregory. his name? The bearded guy. Jesus. Gregory. 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 We got this group that keeps bullying us. Can you help us, Rick? Yeah, sure. I'll go out there sight unseen and kill a bunch of people I don't know just because you told me to because you're growing vegetables. That was yeah, a terrible why not? Decision. That was, Terrible that was move. Easily his worst one. No doubt. Easily his worst one. I I, I I don't know, Jeff. I put that number two only because you took people who obviously had no kill skills, no survival skills, and you put them outside of those walls into a situation where only the strongest could have survived. But those cats needed a reality check because their biggest problem was they thought their their walls would keep them safe. And some of those cats still survived and made it through to some fight did. the saviors. But they really needed mm -hmm. to, to get that reality check because they were super out of touch with what was going on. And they, if, if Rick hadn't taken them into that, because, I mean, you know, a few of those loser dudes got killed, but really, who in That's Alexandria true. mattered? That's true, but at the same time, you could have just taken them about a mile off from the base and or just showed them, look, you got walkers out here. Deal with these. You're not ready for this. That was a big chew, man. You had hundreds of walkers down there. That was a big chew. It was. It was, but the problem but was to... that deal was when they started killing out those saviors, they got put on Negan's radar. And hey, time, oh, Negan is yeah, not you're right. He, he well, no, you're right. Examples. 
And those no, you're right. You know, they're, just, they're just doing their thing. But Negan's like, oh, word? You want oh, in on no. this? Why I got this? you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take yeah, you boy. Right. Right. Your engine. You are right about that. You are right about that. Uh, and make you watch. And right. make you watch. Okay. All right. But remember, with the, when, the, with the, when it came to the quarry, go back to the end of that season where it just took like three or four of the walkers creeping in from the pond, and they were about to just basically decimate all of Alexandria if it wasn't for Rick. Yeah. yeah. He literally had to show them to remind them, like, hey, your walls, I mean, yeah, it's kept you safe, but eventually. These things are going to come in, and you have no idea right. how the hell to deal with them. So right. I got to at least shame you. All right, if there's going to be five of them, yeah, you got to figure out how to deal with them. It can't be one-on-one all the time. It might be three or four against you, and you got to at well, least – Some of y'all have to figure out – Well, I mean, 100 is like, hey, just stay in the cars, get on our caravan. You should be okay. Like, just stay – I mean, like, the plan wasn't completely stupid. It was like, hey, just stay in the cars. And it should work, but shooting. I mean, they forgot that it was. It wasn't just the saviors; it was also the wolves that they screwed up. I mean, they had, yeah. they had made a whole lot of enemies. Lordy, yeah. With, with, as soon as they got to Alexandria, and they tried to, hey, wait a minute, it's not just us. We got these other dead weight people who yeah. can't do anything, and we've started three wars. Yep. So I guess we might as well start at least figuring out how to start deal with one of them before everybody comes, and we're all dead. Right. Okay, so so we have more stuff, and I want to get to that other stuff because I think that's going to be fun. But, but let's do a real quick roundup here. It's, it's my favorite segment of the week. It's that dumbest TV character of the week. I went first last time, so I want to hear what you guys, your nominations, and we'll, we'll take a quick vote to see who was the actual dumbest TV character this week. Gunner, you got anybody in mind, man? You know, I was thinking about it as I was catching up on, like, Flash and Arrow and all those. I don't know. I don't really have, like, a one that particularly stood out out of any of these characters. I, I really don't. Uh, I watched Black Lightning. You know, I don't know. Nobody seems to stand out as, like, a really stupid character. Right. Um, They limited the William character in Arrow, so that's good. We saw him like twice, so maybe they heard me. I don't know. Um, yeah. You know what? I'll just stick with uh, Curtis. Curtis is a safe bet that he's just going to say or do something stupid. He just right. seems so naive. I just don't. I'm just I'll, tired of him, actually. I'll go in the exact opposite. I'm sorry. <laughs> Jump in. Go for the it. The dumbest character <laughs> of, of last week's TV episodes was Felicity. Hey, I know we put Renee in the hospital. We broke into your 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 bunker. We held you with gunpoint in this essence. <laughs> hey, uh, you want to go back and be pals again? Get the hell! I mean, I'm like, I, I really, I'm almost mad that Canary didn't just like blast kill Felicity at that point. Like, hey, you took one of ours out. We're gonna take yours out. Now go to hell. Like, she's like, oh, can we be friends now? Like, Gosh. no, let's get the hell out of here. Go so far oh. out of hell and die. Oh my gosh, she was horrible. No, I just remember who who it is. I do remember. I do it is a W of the week. It is on Arrow. But go ahead, Gunner. You got him now. It's your boy, the old police chief. Yeah, dude. What the heck was he That's doing? Not your daughter. She's from Earth. Oh my gosh. Like, yeah. Not your daughter, and you gonna hide it from everybody. Uh, how are you not? She should have been killed off years ago, seasons ago. I don't know how you survived this much. 
should have been killed off seasons ago. Why are you hiding this person? That is not your daughter. That is not your daughter. That is not your daughter. You are not the father. No, it's right. <laughs> Warriors from Earth 2 will come and be like, hey, by the way, come on, man. Yes. Hey, she's got all this money that can help this city get out of its immediate bankruptcy. Then we're about to plunge into chaos. Well, I want to buy her some soup first from the Chinese restaurant. What? The worst. I don't know if it's the writing, the character portrayal, or both. Both. But yeah, no. Okay. That is the dumbest character of the whole show yeah. right now. Okay, there's a piece of my daughter. Yeah, no, it's it's not. One more time. She's in the cemetery, dude. Focus. Yeah. Jeez. Statue. He's he's to me is delusional. Is Felicity? You you hate on Felicity. You got to get past that because Felicity's done dumb stuff. But come on, Quentin was the. I mean, come on, Quentin set up the whole Arrow Civil War. Okay. I mean, if you saw the love of your life, I mean, like, I mean, cause, I mean, okay, the only, there's only one of us, I mean, like, some of us will have kids, sooner or have kids, but if somebody who looked exactly like your daughter was in your face all the time and then started stalking you, you're going to form some kind of attachment to her. It's going to be completely delusional and wrong, especially if she's a homicidal killer. But you Oh, that like, homicide no killer dude. part is what tips you nah, off. Dog. Maybe that's not There's my no way, dude. <laughs> ask, ask, ask every girl who's decided to date the bad boy. I can make him change. Like, <laughs> I dated twins, right? So, no, they're oh, completely God. different when you date twins. They're two different people. You think so, but it's not. So I can say for sure that I would be like, nah, you're not the same chick. I feel like that's a whole rabbit hole I want to explore later, but it is. There's no way to Disney that one up. You dated twins. There's no way to Disney that one up. Anyway, yeah. But yeah, Quentin. Yeah, exactly. Javon, do you have one before we anoint Quentin? I do. I do, and it's. It's Jennifer Lawrence for her promo, her week and a half long promotion of uh, Red of Red Sonia. She's gone on record to say some of the Carol, dumbest. Red Sonia would have been fun. Yeah, that would have been fun, right? That would have been more fun, right? Um, Jennifer Lawrence has been on a half all week long. Baby girl, <laughs> just make movies. Just be cute. Check your little tush on the catwalk and make movies. <laughs> So basically, you're telling Jennifer yeah. Lawrence to shut up and dribble? I'm not telling her to shut up and dribble because that's disrespectful. What I'm saying to Jennifer Lawrence is this. Sometimes the less you say, the be- the, the better you hold on to your illusion. It's like Beyonce. As soon as Beyonce opens her mouth, it, it just all goes down the toilet. I'm just a big, dumb country girl from Houston, Texas. And it, it, you just, just say it the least you can. So that way we hold on to our illusion of what we think you are. And that's it. Okay. That, that Jennifer Lawrence is a good runner-up, and we're going to talk about her in a second. But I think we're all comfortable, at least Gunner and me. We're, so that's enough of us that we can go with the majority. That Quentin Lance wins our TV dummy of the week. 
Yes. Jennifer Lawrence is up in news because somebody raised a very good point that the very good question is Jennifer Lawrence a movie draw anymore? So, you know, she came out the gate with uh, some with what was that movie? Winner's Bone got a lot of attention. People were like, oh, she's the new star. She's a new it girl. Let's pay attention to her. And then she made a couple other movies. X-Men. Then she's... Hold on. X-Men. No, no, hold on. You're, you're messing up the whole... We're talking about the good one. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Hold on. Sorry. Sorry, Jeff. Then she went into this new franchise off a popular book, Hunger Games, blew up to become Star a legit phenomena. And it was different than Twilight. It was an action female protagonist that had everybody thinking this is the first time in Hollywood we'd ever seen a female protagonist. Totally forgetting that there was aliens long before Katniss. And and long and Sarah Connor existed before Katniss. But she was a huge yeah, draw. Never those those uh Hunger Game films, all of them grossed they're open with at least a hundred million dollars and they <clears throat> grossed over two hundred and eighty million dollars. Huge successful franchise. Based on that Hunger Games success, she then went on to the X Men franchise, where she's somehow become a key pivotal figure in the history of Fox's hopefully, hopefully very soon to be erased continuity where Mystique is a main core cog of this series and because it's Jennifer Lawrence who was a big movie star but if you look at her career as of late she's not really a huge star so she made this film last year Joy I'm sorry in 2015 that was her biggest uh, her biggest opening that was not a Hunger Games or not an X-Men film. That opened with $17 million, And she was front and center. Positioned as the draw for that movie. Joy went on to earn $56 million total. Then Red Sparrow. Her latest film. Opened to $16.8 million, Which is also not good. And Passengers. Which she did with, with Chris, Chris Pratt. Opened to $14.8 million, And it's the her other film besides Silver Linings Playbook and American Hustle that have earned more than $100 million. So is Jennifer Lawrence really a box office star, star or is she that up-and-comer like uh, Channing Tatum that Hollywood has been like, they're a star. You really should buy into their star-making ability and, and attraction and whatever it is that makes you want to go see somebody in the movie theaters. This is Jennifer Lawrence. And I can't forget about Mother, which made $7.5 million and earned a total of $17.8 million. So, I put it out to you, gentlemen. Is Jennifer Lawrence still a movie star in a box office draw? Yeah. Yes. Why not? Yes. Dude, they keep... They keep hand, Scarlett Johansson has gotten a conveyor belt of turds over the last, <laughs> what, since... It's a conveyor Decade. belt of turds. At least, at least a decade, right? You yeah. name the last movie, not not the Avengers that you thought Scarlett Johansson was like. Yeah. I'm about to. Okay. Go ahead, bro. I'm, I'm looking her up right now because Jeff, she, what was that? What was that movie, movie about the aliens? Hold on, it's a, what was the one? That, hold on, I'm I'm looking it up right now. So Scarlett, so Scarlett Johansson, Johansson, yeah, her top movie. Mm-hmm. She's she's oh, a movie. Go, 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 go,
All right. Okay. So Ghost in the Shell made eighteen point six million. That was a film everybody complained was a whitewashed debacle. That movie And it was. I didn't watch it. It looked trash. But it made forty million. Then she also did Lucy, which made hundred and twenty six million. That opened to forty three point eight or forty three point nine million. That's comparable to some male quote-unquote box office stars so she proved that she could draw there so then she was also in what about match point match point was a woody Allen. years ago it was 2005 that was was pre-avengers she was in her Mm -hmm. i mean she's she's she hasn't been in a lot of movies where she's been the star that's that's her thing girls the, the good actors like it, for Tom Hanks, you know, in theory, if he he's attached to a movie, it's actually a good movie. It's not just some garbage that they're getting the paycheck off. Like Passengers, you're, like, <laughs> you're thinking, oh, I thought that could be a good movie, but then the reviews came, hey, it's garbage. So I didn't think, like, I didn't go into it. Like if you like when you said Red Sparrow was bad, I'm like, I actually wanted to see that, but you said it was garbage. So if you give if like. Uh, like you said, Emma Stone, she doesn't have her name t- attached to that much garbage. So, in theory, if she's on a movie, you know what, I think I'm going to put my $20 to go see that movie. But all the rest of them, they're going to put on, like, Chris Hemsworth, Chris Pye, all the guys you guys named, they're all going to do that next $10, 5000000 million paycheck, and then you get so burnt out of seeing them. Like, Jennifer Lawrence puts out so much stuff, you're just like, I'm tired. I don't want to see garbage anymore. I can't afford it. So you're not, they're not, it doesn't diminish their ability to be a star. It's just, I don't have, I can't see everything because I just don't have the money for it. Uh, yeah. I mean, Margot Robbie's the one that really thrown, trying to throw it out our throats and she's just been in garbage films. I mean, I'm sorry. I time it still looks like a garbage film to me. I don't care what was nominated for. Um, you can go back to like, I'm talking about like lower grossing films or bad, you know, terribly acclaimed films, you know what I mean? She's always kind of been in those, you know what I mean? Um, what's, it, what's it called? Suicide Squad, Jesus Christ, that could have been better. Um, so Margot Robbie's another one like that, right? But I think the main thing here is like all these actors have to work, you know what I mean? So of course they're gonna do some stinkers here and there. I mean, Jesus, if they weren't, if, if actors weren't allowed to do stinkers, we would not know who Nicolas Cage is. I agree, gotta, I'm, actors should not be allowed to do stinkers. For what it's worth, there's no reason why Nicolas Cage has a 40-year career, why Jack Nicholson has a 50-year career, uh, Denzel Washington has a, a nearly 40-year career, because these are guys who have gone a whole career. Tom Cruise has a 40-year career. These are guys that have gone a whole career playing themselves in everything. Their range is them showing up as themselves, as whatever the case may be. You know, I'm I'm not discrediting them because I'm not an actor, but everything I've watched them in, they are themselves in. They're just a different variation of themselves, you know. People respond to them, and that's why they're able to keep working. That's going to be the same thing for Lauren. As long as people respond to her, she'll keep working. She'll be fine. All right, fellas, that'll do it for us on this one. This episode of Lyle's Movie Files has been Files. Episode 20 is now in the can. I've got to start working on Jessica Jones, but just want to talk to you guys. If you've got young girls, take them to go see A Wrinkle in Time. It's really fun. 
fantasy film. It's not an Oscar movie in the traditional sense. It's just a fun movie for the family. And it's one of those rare movies we don't seem to get too often these days because we're way too cynical and bitter and jaded about everything. Go see it. Check out the cool visuals, the cool performances, and just sit back and enjoy it. Uh, also on LylesMovieFiles.com, I'm getting ready for March Bashness. That is where I take my Mattel WWE action figures and run them through a March Madness style tournament where people vote on them. So if you're listening to the show next week, I'm going to put the, the tournament matches up. So help me decide who wins the March Bashness 2018. It'd be a big help. Got a couple giveaways. Stay tuned on that. There's been so many good movies coming out, or movies in general coming out. And I got a lot of giveaways, including Tomb Raider. So make sure that you're paying attention to LylesMovieFiles.com. Because you never know what movie you can go to for free. That's it for me. I've got to get back to on Jessica Jones and see if this bad boy will keep getting, or stay as good as it's been so far and at least succeed Iron Fist, which I don't think will be all that hard. That's it for me. This episode of Lyle's Movie Files, episode 20, has been filed.